0: Welcome to Next Level Show, where we talk with people behind next level ideas, products and technology that is changing the world around us. I'm Lubo Smith, the co-founder and CEO of STRV and my guest today is Patrick Dees, the co-founder and chief gaming officer of Fan Control Football League, a sports league that is entirely controlled by its fans. Fan control football has completed two successful seasons with generating over 20 million fans. Earlier this year they have raised a 40 million dollar round of financing and it seems like there is still a lot they have on their roadmap for this year alone. It was my true pleasure chatting with Patrick who is a passionate gamer building a futuristic sports empire with his team. I'm stoked for their journey ahead. So let's dive in. Thank you so much for hopping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having uh, me. This is exciting. Yeah, and like for me, fan control football uh, is uh, uh, an extremely in- interesting concept, and you have been working on that yeah. with the team for quite a while. Yes. Um, so, like, how? Like, what was the what was the background? How did you? Come up with yeah. uh, an idea to co-found uh, something like that, and what was the inception?
1: It has been a it has been a journey. I tell you what. Um, so you know, I think if you asked each one of the the four founders, you'd get a different version of the story. But from my perspective, uh, this was uh, w- where it actually started. Was um, my partner Saurav Rudi, our CEO, and I were partners in a um, in a you know wireless startup. You know, this VC VC backed startup that uh, we had an exit that was coming. And we knew a ways out that that exit was coming, so we had a lot of time to, to say, like, "Look, what are we going to do next? We know we make a great team. what are we, what do we want to do?" Because we kind of forced gumped our way into this, uh, this this we saw an opportunity in the wireless space, but it's like nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "Let's build a wireless trade-in program. You know what I mean? It was always a great business, and we like we loved building things, but like this is our next our chance to build something that we like loved. And so I kept asking Sore like, what, what are we going to do? And he kept saying that he's going to buy the Cowboys, which is just, we <laughs> were in our 20s, and I still think Jerry Jones is going to outlive all of us, so the exit was not going to be big <laughs> enough to buy the Cowboys, and he's going to live to 230 years old. So that wasn't happening, and, and I'm a huge gamer. I actually learned the rules of American football by playing Tecmo and Madden growing up. My dad, incredible father, Super good dude, but like a lot of kids learn the rules of sports from their, from their folks, predominantly their father. My dad was a vocal ensemble guy in high school. He was a drama nerd, you know? And so didn't actually know much about football. He played a little bit of it, but couldn't tell you like what a 4-3 defense was or whatever. So I learned through playing video games, and then on Sunday I would sit on the couch and I'd watch football with my dad and I would tell him, Dad, Dad, this is a 4-3 defense. And he would like, you know, pretend to care. You know, he just wanted to hang out with his kid. Um, so for me, that that act of real time play calling, that lean forward experience has always been part of sports for me. So it's, you know, we're not buying the Cowboys, we're not making a video game, but we really feel like there's an opportunity to bring, you know, we're core, we're technology guys. How do we bring tech to sports? So. Um, our first stop on the journey was we uh, we bought into a team in the AFL, the Arena League, with Vince Neal from Motley Crue. Um, another time over a lot of drinks, I'll just tell you uh, some crazy stories about that guy, man. Uh, I want to hear that. I, just <laughs> dumpster fire of a human being. It was a very tough partnership, um, and what we actually took away from that... Um, Don't get me wrong, incredibly cool to own a football team. Like, it's wild to, again, especially with a rock star. But what we learned more than anything is be in good partnerships, and then also, like, how fundamentally broken that model was. I mean, again, we're like startup guys, and all we kept looking at this AFL was like how it just, just bleeds cash everywhere. It was not lean at all in a way that, like, made no sense to us as a business. And so, so we decided look we really need to go all in on this and this you know that way we started going uh, started thinking through what is this fan run concept so then we met Grant Cohen and Ray Austin. Uh, Ray, uh, Ray played six years in the NFL, played, was drafted by the Jets, uh, played most of his career in Chicago, then went on to act and model. He's done like 100 different brand commercials and he's like on television every week. He's in that show, Empire, and incredibly successful dude, um, who is also looking to figure out how to let fans engage more. And then Grant Cohen had actually printed, a, he'd written a blog in like 2007, so like you know, eight years before this, about what would it be like if fans owned a baseball team. And so he'd already been thinking these the same things, so the four of us came together, and we bought a team in the IFL, which is the Indoor Football League.
0: May I just interrupt? Of and course, yes. Yeah, how, how, how did you get like, uh, funding to buy into uh, all of those teams uh, in the early days, and what, what year was that like?
1: So the, the, the first team in the, in the AFL uh, was, I think, 2015. Um, and that was largely again. We just had this exit. We were sitting on a little bit of cash. Thought that it would be you know a decent investment for us. Um, the 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 IFL was uh, it was not um, the the IFL uh, was we we uh, that funding came together through some friends and family kind of round. Um, and also we did a more to gauge interest than anything. We did a uh, like a Kickstarter, like a GoFundMe. Um, so we built an incredible video and said, Hey, look, we had already met with the league officials and said, Hey, look, we're interested in buying a team. And so kind of to gauge interest, would fans be, be interested? And so, I don't know, we raised $60,000, 80000 or something from that. And the response was like great and quick. And we're like, this is great. Um, and so, you know, the, the commissioner in that league was 35. He looked like he was like 14 and we said, dude, we want fans to run a team. And he's like, you guys are crazy, but sure. <laughs> and so, uh, we, we said, look, we want fans to choose where they play, and so we looked at kind of the geographic footprint of the entire league, um, and said, well, here's the you know six places we could play, and we let fans vote. It came down; it was a final between Salt Lake City um, and and uh, Oklahoma City. Salt Lake won, and so then it was like then it was like the Salt Lake, and then we flew to Salt Lake, and then naming the team was next, and so I, we had a press conference there and it's the internet, it's the fucking internet. So I was like, to the press conference, I looked down the barrel of the camera and I said, if you want to name us Timmy McTeamface, that's going to be our name. And so immediately I got back to the, sitting down and Saurabh had the app open and we, it was like 132 votes for McTeam McTeamface. And he's like, great, that's going to be our name. <laughs> we were very, uh, we were almost named that. And I'm kind of bummed that we're not because the merch would have been incredible. Um, we were almost named, um, the Stormin Mormons, because we were in Salt Lake, which is predominantly Mormon.
0: <laughs> I, I just got back from New York City, and yeah. I went to uh, the Broadway show Book of Mormon. Did you love it? it oh,
1: it's it's so, so good. It's so good. It's, it's so. Good. So, good. <laughs> so I grew up. I grew up very Mormon. I'm not now, but I did the mission. I did that whole Mormon mission, and for me, I might have been laughing harder than anybody in the oh room. Oh my god! It is so pitch perfect. It's an incredible, uh, incredible performance. But yeah, that's like that is Salt Lake, dude. And I had a lot of family you know, still, still up in Salt Lake. And so uh, one of the names was Storm and Mormons, which I think is the funniest name ever. And then I voted for Storm and Mormons. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, Last second, they ended up being called the Screaming Eagles. I have a bunch of merch here I have to give you. Remind me, don't let you go home without some fan control football merch. Um, But uh, they named it the Screaming Eagles because it was a military base. It was like the 143rd Screaming Eagles. And there was this like big push and it won barely beating out Storm and Mormons. Um, But then fans ran the team. They like. That we live streamed our interviews with coaches. We had like four different coaches, coaching options. Fans chose our coach. Um, then they voted on everything: the, the logo, the colors, the mascot. They voted on our cheerleaders, which interestingly enough was the highest counts of fraud. The cheerleaders all cheated like crazy. It was a right. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But <laughs> how did I, they, they do that? Like what, uh, just, what well, like, tactics they used? We would see uh, like you know a hundred votes come in from one single IP, and the email address was like cook at Apple.com and I was like, <laughs> okay, that's legit. <laughs> oh so, well, definitely uh, him. Yeah, it had to have been, it had to have been. Um, so yeah, they chose their cheerleaders and then they actually found um, our quarterback. So we at one point had some weird record and we had the largest um, the largest scouting team of any professional sports team. We had like 180 people who were paying us. Like five bucks a month, ten bucks a month to go scout. We called it the virtual front office, and they would pay us a fee. We'd have meetings. We would send them all business cards. so They were official coach, uh, official scouts, and then they would just like tr- troll YouTube and find all this great talent. So they found our quarterback, who ended up being uh, uh, player of the year in the league. Wow, it was wild! That's that's impressive. It was it was so cool. It was just like I the, the was just doing nothing in Florida, and fans found him. We flew him out and just destroyed it. He was like a really mobile, uh, mobile quarterback. And then, um, yeah, and then fans called plays. It was a much more simplistic from like a mechanics perspective. Back in the day, and we can talk about how it works now. Back in the day, it was very four diagrammed options. Everybody gets one vote. Every vote is created equal. The majority, we run that play. But it turns out, you know, we finished with the third highest rated offense in the league. Like, it was successful. We were on Twitch. Hundreds of thousands of people tuned in. A hundred different countries were calling plays for this minor league team in Salt Lake City, Utah. You know what I mean? And people were really, really into it. And originally, this is, I'm getting to Vanguard Football. Originally, the idea was we'll take this technology and we'll license it to all these teams, right? So we wanted to prove this out. That was the proof of concept. But we realized, you know, is one fan controlled team in a league of nine traditionally run teams, and they weren't going to move, and they weren't into technology, and yeah, they didn't I w- care.
0: I, w- I wanted to ask, what yeah. were what, what they thinking about it? Like, were they like intrigued? And it seems like. Based on uh, the
1: uh, your face, it, it feels like they were not. <laughs> well, it was a mix. So we went from one team, the the Iowa Barnstormers. They invested in us immediately. Said, "Can we write a check? This is the future." And then we had other teams. Like the team in Green Bay was like, "No, you know our team. Lo- you know this team loses three hundred thousand dollars a year, but it's a it's a service for the." Citizens of Green Bay, when the Packers aren't playing, that's how they looked at it. And so they're like, no, they, no, we're never going to be fan run. Like that's not. So it was just, were, So it was all across the board. There was like again, obviously people running, write checks to people saying get the hell out of our league. And it was just a cultural non fit. It was right when the Colin Kaepernick stuff was happening, and you know they were you know very anti cap, wanted to throw the set if like if our if our uh, players kneeled, they'd throw out every player in the league. And we're like, this is not us. And so what it did was it brings us to the current iteration of functional football was like, then we took a step back and said, look, if we reinvented the sport, like if you invented football right now, what would it look like? And I think that exercise was incredibly fun. And I think it would be a lot of what ended up being fan control football is that games are, you know, nobody's got three and a half hours to consume a a game. But, you know, like games should be be like an hour, an hour 15 running clock. Games should really move, should be high fat, you know, high powered. It should be this lean forward experience where fans call plays and then are rewarded, uh, you know, for competing against each other. Um, you know, they go up and down leaderboards. No, there should be no kicking because nobody's ever watched a football game and said, fuck yeah, the kickers are here. Yeah. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> so we pulled the kickers out immediately. Um, and you know, again, from built the league from the ground up saying, hey, what if we were to build not only football, but you know, eventually other sports, which we can talk about, but if we built them now for the way people are digital natives, for the way people are consuming content, for this generation of people who are interested in helping control the narrative like on and off the field. Um, and so. And so yeah, so we uh, we had our proof of concept, uh, our our season one was was uh, during COVID, and we just wrapped season two.
0: That's that's amazing, and like the 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 flip from having one team to like the entire league uh, (laughs) and running the show. (laughs) Yeah, it must be a huge operation to do the whole thing.
1: It is. We try and be really lean. So one of the things that we learned, I think I told we we talked about the the AFL was just how how badly run that league is. And again, no shade. It just it's not run like a startup. So we, we came up with what we call the league in the box, which is a shared services model. So it allows us to say, hey, look, we we can have just one venue instead of four or eight, invest a ton of money into like the, the sexiest, coolest, most technologically advanced, kick-ass place to play sports. Um, uh, again, we can share uh, trainers across all four or eight teams. We can share coaches. We can, so it's, it, is a, it is a big operation and we've um, been incredibly blessed to have some really talented people to help find those folks. But it's leaner than you would think because we've tried to find ways to, to run it as a business as opposed to a charitable event for folks in Green
0: Bay, you know. How many people are involved across, like, all the players, coaches, trainers, uh, as well as you know the the team behind Fan Control Football overall.
1: Yeah, I think in the the front office and executives, I think we were north of 120 people, 115 people, and then you know if you, you mix in players and, and strength, strength and conditioning, and and trainers and whatnot, I think we were probably 250, 260 for this season too, and that was, uh, you know, that was eight, eight teams, and so again, pretty lean for for eight teams.
0: And so, and, and everybody like uh, is pretty much around one area, so that's
1: what you are benefiting from. so that there's like. A, not a whole lot of travel. No or? travel. Yeah, one one instead of eight teams and eight separate ticketing teams and eight separate sets of trainers. Eight, we have again one one event team that like helps ticket the the venue. But yeah, it's all they live in one. Uh, we we uh, we take over the the Marriott and Buckhead in Atlanta. We just just own it. And so you know all <laughs> these the, the whole league of football dudes just live in this 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 Marriott for for the course of the season. We shuttle them back and forth. So we do room and board for the players. It creates this really cool chemistry between the guys. you know, they go out at night and shit, but they spend all day together and living wow. together and um, so yeah, we benefit from from everybody being in one place. Um, and again, it allows us to the venue is with this wild state of the art venue that you and just couldn't that, do. That's what they do full time. yeah, yeah, oh my God. these are all guys that like played on Saturday and didn't quite get to Sunday, so d- usually Division one Division two guys that had a look at the NFL that for whatever reason didn't get there and they want to keep playing and keep making tape and keep making publicity and what drew them to this league is that it's so, one, there's a lot of eyes on it, like, you know, getting guys like Johnny Menzel and Terrell Owens in the league. Uh, we had a, you know, 25 million views this year. A lot of eyes were in the league and it gives them a chance to get seen. And then also, I think the ethos of giving these guys a platform. So one of the things that we did, we're really picky about guys that play in the league. So we had, of about a couple hundred people that played in the league, we probably had 350 that could play at the level that we wanted to. We actually did a casting pass, so we had a casting agency and they went through And they met the guys uh, that and and, and gave us kind of feedback on the guys that had the biggest personalities and the guys that like got most excited when a camera came on and that wanted to engage with the fans because if you're building a league where you're trying to tell stories to these guys, you want guys with that that want to engage back and then want to want to that light up and want to create content and and will engage with fans and build that relationship and really redefine what a relationship between a player and fan can be. Um, And so, uh, so yeah, they they are just an incredible group of guys. It's like to me, it feels so innovative and like uh, cutting Thanks, edge. Man. That's that's amazing. How, how long is one season? Uh, this season was nine. This uh, season two was nine weeks. Okay, nine weeks on. So not an incredible amount of time. What's it like being like uh, you know? Concentrated, yeah, like- yeah, and they're there. Like they're a training camp too. So I think they're there. Uh, th- they're uh, they're there thirteen, fourteen weeks, right? They got to learn the playbook and you know learn you know uh, learn each other and everything else and understand kind of the nuances of the the game because it is at core football. Guys all grow up playing seven on seven, but you know obviously some unique rules to, to our sport. So they spend a little while really getting used to how our game works. And how do you combine the digital element versus like uh, you know
0: the in person experience? Uh, yeah, um, is I assume it's like. Heavily uh, focused towards digital, yeah. but uh, with some in person.
1: Uh... Yeah. Yeah. The in person stuff is really more for like atmosphere, right? Like we want to give the guys like some, a, a, like an awesome place to play in front of people who are like screaming. So a real intimate experience. But we are absolutely a digital first league. So again, probably 25 million people saw Fan Control Football this year. Um, you know, we had about a thousand people per game. So, you know, you do that math, it's very heavily. Heavily digital, but we want to create a really fun experience when you're there live and and really something unique. So like uh, our guys, are, you know the 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 venue, and I can show you some pictures. But you sit right on top of the field. I mean, you're right there, um, and so uh, it is. Yeah, we're we're very heavily digital, but both in both both situations you can still call plays and engage in real time. There's a mode in the app that says I'm in venue and you get a slightly tweaked experience that so catches up with what real time versus what the experience would be on Twitch or distribution partners.
0: So what it, what is the interaction with uh, the people that are watching the game uh, these days? Yeah. Like from what it was at the
1: very beginning? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's very, so it's different. So now everybody gets a vote, but not every vote is created equal, right? So if you've been play calling, if you've been interacting in the ecosystem um, and calling plays and engaging, your vote is going to carry a lot more weight than mine. So every time you vote, every time you do anything, you earn what we call fan IQ. It's like XP in a video game. And you level up. Yeah. So level as you gain levels, your vote carries a lot more weight than people who, uh, who, who haven't been leveling up and whatnot. And so we want it to be really accessible. So you earn fan IQ for participating, but then you also earn, there's a level of mastery in play calling. So if you... Successful, call a successful play, you earn a lot of fan IQ. Also, if you call a play that wasn't chosen but the play that was chosen was a failure, you get a bonus for having not chosen the play that was the failure. So the better, uh, better play caller you are, the faster you level up and the more weight your vote carries. That's pretty interesting.
0: That's fun. What, what, what is NFL thinking of uh, uh, all of what you are doing?
1: I don't think we're, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but whatever, we, did, we did get a letter saying that they wanted to talk to us, but I think it was like, hey, I think we just want to understand like what's what's under the hood. I don't think they care that much. We're not, they're such a juggernaut. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just don't think they think much of anything. I mean, we're clearly on their radar, I mean, especially with the noise we made this season and, and the letter we got, but we didn't take that meeting. And I think we're fundamentally doing different things. Like I don't, we don't want to be the NFL. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. is, And so like, I think that's, again no shade to all these other alt football leagues but they they all are NFL lite they just want to be that it's the same model it's the same thing with players who aren't that caliber and the inability to spend billions of dollars to get there and i don't i don't think it's really viable I, so we don't you know i don't know, I, I don't think we're much of a threat to the NFL and you know we don't think much of the NFL other than Hopefully, we can be for a lot of their technology partners kind of a test bed, like an incubator. Like, we want to tr- be bleeding edge with a lot of the stuff, like, we we'll try the latest tech and biometrics and player telemetry and those things. And so, you know, stuff that takes years to get through the NFL PA, we don't have a player association. We can do it you you know, can, tomorrow. You totally. can deploy yeah, it right totally. away. And yeah. And test it and see what works and what doesn't work. So, that's kind of the ideal relationship that I would want to have with the, with the NFL.
0: Oh, it's, it's pretty cool and like uh, you know of course as you are like heavily reliant on, on tech uh, then, yeah. like you can bring in uh, new things in no time totally right? yeah like, yeah there is no like complex approval process or no, like you No. Know, it's, it's a couple standards. dudes in a room i mean no, i think
1: over <laughs> lunch just now you and i were like hey i think we got a new solution so yeah it's just that fast
0: this is this is uh, so cool yeah like i just i just love hearing about you know something that uh, in my eyes is like okay this is this is the future Thank you: So from the like, uh, technological standpoint, like uh, and, and engineering, like yep. how did you go about that? Uh, what was it like to build uh, you know, the infrastructure yeah. that will support uh, yeah. such a large volume of users <laughs> and, and the interaction yes. uh, primarily, right because it's not like Easy to no. uh, <laughs> no. uh, make sure that you know you need to make a decision like uh, uh,
1: almost in real time. Yeah, and how how do you facilitate that? Uh, we have an incredible technology team led by uh, our our, uh, our CTO Stephen Adler. He ran the NFL uh, NFL mobile experience for years, and so he kind of was our was our architect and paired with. So season one, I was this armchair game developer. I'm not. Qualified at all to develop to 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 design video games, but I play a lot of video games. My my title is actually chief gaming officer because I'm the video game nerd here. So I was kind of the armchair. These are the mechanics. Please just go build this, right? Like again, this fan IQ and all that stuff was uh, largely my my uh, very rough uh, swing at it in season one. This season we've got. a couple guys, video game vets from EA and Activision and guys that have been around the business for years, helping really flesh out that economy and, and have that experience feel much rewarding from a fan experience. And then like on the technology side, uh, again, those guys are uh, incredible. He had deep experience with football and, and, and mobile experience and, and really finding ways to mitigate latency. And then, you know, I would say uh, Steve Adler, our, our CTO, his superpower is getting smart on things fast. He um, he went from never hearing of NFTs to being able to build you know an NFT gated four teams or NFT gated in a matter of no time, and so um, I marvel at what those guys can do. But um, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to be able to to build the you know, the real time leaderboards, and to your point, you know uh, in, in interacting in real time and making those decisions, and how that all interacts with broadcast was this whole other ridiculous and complex thing that we were figuring out kind of in real time. But that was. I'm going on a tangent, that was one of the fun parts is because we kept telling people it's like early access software. Right? It's like an early access video game. It's like Valorant. It's like one of these things that we're building this in real time. The wheels might fall off. We want <laughs> your feedback. And you know, luckily they didn't, but it was like, you know, we, we tried to stay incredibly nimble if something was overpowered or underpowered. Or I mean, we had an, 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 um, an experience in season one where fans had voted on a rule that was like a comeback rule it sounded cool conceptually, like if you're down in the fourth quarter, you can get the ball back. And I don't remember what the mechanics were, um, but fans voted for it and it played out and it sucked. Oh. And so we immediately, between games, we threw it to fans and said, look, you saw it in action. Do you still want it? This is fan run if you want this. Fans voted aggressively against it. Tens of thousands of views, like votes came in immediately, being like, get that out of the league. And so we changed a rule between games so the next game that rule is gone and so um, again the, the fun part of this is building this in, in real time with fans and having that real open dialogue and saying here's what we're changing and why and here's what the roadmap is and it's been really fun. Yeah, it's so so
0: cool that you can be so flexible yeah. and like change things on the go, yeah. you just need to get the
1: buy-in of the fans yep. and uh, you can do pretty much anything, right? That's <laughs> totally true and they're very passionate, they will let you know. The community's been so cool, man. Like I. You know, I think the internet is such a cesspool, most places, but, dude, this is a place that, like, authentically, I like hanging out, like, you know, and our Discord's awesome. It's like, everybody shit talks, and they're having a good time, as you should in sports, but it's all, like, really well-natured, it's good-natured, and, like, they're really welcoming when somebody shows up in the Discord and says so like, what's going on here? Everybody's like, can't wait to tell them about the league and why it's awesome. And uh, I mean, shout out to our fans, they've been awesome.
0: How, how do you go about managing uh, Discord with, uh, I assume, so many people because <laughs> yeah. uh, it must be a mess.
1: It is a mess. Ma- uh, mess is the wrong word. its They're very passionate. Dude, <laughs> our, again, we were uh, incredibly lucky to find some amazing community management folks that actually came out of the Web3 space that just had a real good knack for... Just community management as a whole, and so they've done a really good job of curating. And you know, when somebody does get out of line, you know, having a coaching conversation as opposed to that kind of quick ban. Um, but yeah, it is—it is a very passionate group of people, and it's—it's it's been fun too because we also have this subset uh, in our community. Uh, we have a subset of. Um, Two, two kind of levels of subset of fans. So it's like kind of general fandom. And then we have what we call the fan council, which is like our focus group. And it's uh, it's two, two groups of that. So there's the general fan council, which is about 500 people. And then we have another 50 people, which we call the captains. And they're like the ones that are the hardest core. They get on a Zoom with me once a mo- once a month, and we just talk through the shit. Be like, no, we don't like this. We love this. They're very vocal. And they're very critical, but in a way that is constructive. They just want the league to be better. And so it's the type of people that you want. And so those guys and gals are very vocal in the Discord, helping police the other community. Do you know what I mean? They're the fan captains. They're like, so we have kind of this 50 kind of community managers that are out keeping other people in line and helping it be like a really good place. And so we've got a great community leader, but also we've got, you know, big shout out to the fan captains, they're awesome.
0: So you have a, a group of like the, the biggest fans yep. and you can bounce uh, ideas uh, with them and, yeah. and everything.
1: We take all of the, so yeah, they're like our focus group. So we take stakeholders from all different parts of the business, give us a list of questions of stuff they want to know. So like sponsorship, product, you know, technology, uh, merch, All those guys want. They want to know what fans think of things or whatever. They give us a list of questions. The fan council as a whole, and then these captains. They all take the survey, so we have real time results back. And then we, once a month, we come and talk about it for a couple hours. We get on a Zoom and talk through it. And um, and they've been. I was concerned we would get a lot of like super fan yes men. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's all great, but it's not that at all. They're like very vocal about let's change this. What if we did this? It's awesome. How how someone becomes a a captain? we uh, That's a good question. I'm trying to remember what the process was. Uh, we But do, do people change within those groups or they were selected and that's it? They were selected and we, the, the idea is that we rotate through the, through the fan captains. We had people submit so we opened up like a submission process. Says, hey, are you, if you're interested in this, send us a little bit about yourself and why. And so we got hundreds of uh, applications, if not thousands, and one of the, the asks was they do like a 30 second video. So we just watched. These videos that these people did. Wow. like, this, and so the creativity was crazy. Of like, people did very elaborate videos to be part of what we're doing. So then, so then we uh, of that like, I think we chose fifty, and we want to start rotating through, so we have different perspectives, and we're gonna start we're gonna start that process. They were kind of our fan captain group for, for all of season two, but we're gonna start rotating through.
0: That's yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty interesting. You men- you mentioned uh, NFT and, and Web three. I did. Um, and uh, I w- like, you now have uh, NFTs integrated and you yeah. have some of the uh, teams uh, talking at it uh, yes, sir. Uh, in, in the league. It um, seems like you picked up the the trend pretty fast, uh, yeah. maybe due to uh, the, the skills of your CTO <laughs> to uh, go yeah. and, and quickly implement it. But I would love to hear from you what do you think about the, the movement and the, um I assume that it was not part of uh, you know, uh, the, the idea since, since the early days, yeah. but it seems like it's uh, fitting well together.
1: It's a, it's a good question. So yes and no. So early on, we, in 2017, we wanted to tokenize the league, right? We had a lot of, we, we did a lot of tokenomics, you know, just white papers on what if, what if we tokenized every single player, right? And like we had models where like when this player scored a touchdown, we'd burn X percentage of his tokens and the, the remaining group would be more valuable. It's always been something we're really interested in. And blockchain was exciting to me for no other reason than if you have the lives of athletes that are being controlled by fans. I wanted to publish it to a ledger, an immutable ledger, that fans could go see where those votes were, so they never could come to us as a league and say, you had your thumb on the scale, right? I wanted it to just be, look, it's public. There it is. You can go see it. And not only so fans know that, but players as well. We had a um, an instance in Salt Lake that um, we had a, do you know the name Greg Hardy? I no. Very tough run of it, multiple time, conviction, uh, domestic violence, uh, really rough run of it in the NFL, had been had been banned from the NFL, and we knew that the Salt Lake City had been getting a lot of, we were on Sports Center like every week, it was this crazy concept, and so it was a good place for him to come rehab his image. He would have been the best player in the league immediately, and also that's a potentially pretty toxic element to add to the league, and so... The four of us were in a room and we were going back and forth about it. We're like, I, I, what, do you, like what, do, what do we even do here? And we really split. And We said, well, let's open this up to fans, because if the fans want him and are willing to roll the dice and see what that does to the locker room, then we go with it. So we opened up to fans, which was a PR, I mean, it was crazy. It was on PTI every single night in SportsCenter. Like, it got a lot of eyeballs in the league and it, it, became, it ended up 51-49 against. Right? So, they, they, told, they said, we don't want them here. And that 49% was very vocal, saying, fuck you guys, this is all a PR stunt, you were never going to do it. And I wanted to be able to say, like, again, I mean, we could show them the results, but the, the idea if it was just on the blockchain, I could be like, look there, I mean, there it is. It's, so we've always been, it's a long way of saying we've always been interested in blockchain technology.
0: No, no I understand it from the perspective that you want
1: to prove
0: that, yes. you know, you let yeah. the fans to yeah. decide yeah. about anything that yeah. is happening. Totally. Right? And you want everybody to see that. I do.
1: It's important. I mean, fans and, and the athletes alike, right? You know? um, but the, you know, what, what happened in like 2017, 2018, obviously a lot of bad actors in that space, the ICO stuff was tough. Um, you know, we couldn't, Twitch was our distribution partner. They had purchased the ext- exclusive streaming rights for the first two seasons. Um, and you were not their terms and services. There were so many scams being run in the ICO days that if you had blockchain touching your product, you weren't allowed on Twitch. Just nope. So we we moved away from that and again, um, you know wasn't uh, wasn't critical of the model. And then the NFT, I want to shout out my, my partner, Sorab Farudi. he was an early board ape, thought the community was incredible and really started looking at it from that community building perspective. And like the deeper we got into, into that, the more we thought, look, it only makes sense to, let's let's start building communities that way too, right? And obviously, we're not going to go all in. We want some free-to-play ones too, but I think the idea is like, it's four teams which are free-to-play, four teams that are NFT-gated, and it's like golf, right? Like, it's the public golf course versus the private golf course. And so, if you're a member of the Board Ape Club or the the Eight Okies, it's a much smaller group, you have a lot more influence, easy to coordinate. Um, but to your point, it's you know it's NFT gated, and so um, spent a lot of the season trying like you know IRL benefits, and um, it was tremendous success. Seeing the engagement um, from the from the NFT teams by fan was seven eight x what it was on the, 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 the free side of things. So um, really glad we went that route, despite how divisive it is in the gaming world. Um, I think it it really proved out. No, I,
0: like, uh, I think that's a great use case for uh, leveraging blockchain and NFTs. And yeah. it seems like you, you figured out uh, the way how to incorporate it uh, uh, relatively smoothly. Yeah. So, do you have any uh, plans to double down on, on, on that area and uh, potentially introduce uh, uh, more of the Web3 uh, oh, yeah. uh,
1: movement into totally. the product? Yeah, a million percent. So we're building a video game um, that will you'll be able to bring in a, I think this is public knowledge. If not, we're breaking an exclusive. You'll um, you'll be able to bring in your NFTs to the actual video game. You can power them up, you can play a simulation football game, so it'll be seven on seven, and it'll allow you to play, you know, both the computer and you know friends um, allow you to level up the 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 NFTs. And what it does, it's a training vehicle too, right? Like it allows you to build muscle memory on calling plays and stuff. Because one of the things that we run into such a tangent. When you turn into an FCF, tune into an FCF game, the cognitive load on fans is a lot. Because they need to understand what is this crazy game on the field? First of all, what are the rules? It's football, but I gotta learn it. And then what is my behavior expected of me as a fan? And then how do I get good at that? So it's so much stuff that they have to learn that the idea of like building you know this this Web three you know video game and allow them to call plays in a real safe environment and start learning how it works so that so that, again in the off season they can kind of learn and level up and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we're and we're you know, we're going to do a lot more with NFT gear uh, like NFT gear and item, itemization and stuff that you'll be able to, to do in the future. So that that game is
0: like uh, learning the ropes of
1: what it's like yes, to be a true fan totally uh, and really
0: like. Uh, Control the game yeah
1: and, and level up as a fan too, you earn fan IQ by playing and whatnot, so when you get back into a real like live environment, your vote carries all that weight. you level up do you like do you have some uh, data about like
0: how many fans just watch uh, what's happening versus how many of them actually interact, and they are like the, you know yeah. the most hardcore? Uh, because I assume that yeah. like not 100% of them no, want no, to no. like uh, control.
1: No, I mean, that's the, the, yeah, when the top of the funnel is like 25 million people, you're, there's, there's no chance you're getting 100% of those. And there's a good mix of people who really like that lean back experience. They just want to see Johnny Menzel play. And there's crazy antics. I don't know if you've seen our games, but like, you know, at the beginning, it's it's a rock paper scissors to see who gets the ball, and it's this crazy event. And like, there's always celebrities doing it. Like, I just I did uh, rock paper scissors with like Dwight Howard, and I think it was versus Michael Irvin or whatever. Like, it's there's a lot to watch, even if you're not leaning forward and calling plays. Um, so yeah, so there's yeah there's a, a good number of people that like lean back and don't engage, and that's kind of the beauty of the model is that we get to monetize in a couple different ways. We get to monetize that top of the funnel like a traditional sports league, right? Like sponsorships. Uh, in rights fees, merch, those types of things. But then if you pull people through the funnel and you get those ones that engage, then we get a double dip a little bit, right? And then there's that, you're monetizing like a mobile game. And those people, um, what we've seen from a data perspective is you know, nobody calls one play, right? You either don't call, or if you call a play, you call 67. There's no middle ground, you know? And so like, um, it's been interesting to see that once we can get people understanding that hook and what it's like, and especially when you call a play and it's like a touchdown, that that hit a dopamine is really fun. You're like, oh my God, I just called that. And um, this season we introduced an AR overlay. So fans would call the play and then we'd line up and it would look like Madden and on the field we would draw the play. We'd say, this is what's coming, so watch it. Wow! This is where it's going, and then you'd see it go, and it was really, it was, it was fun. And so, the more we can do, find those things to get fans engaged and understand that they can actually affect what's happening on the field. um, You know, I think the the more successful we're going to be in getting them, uh, you know, to call plays and lean forward.
0: It seems like all you know is going extremely well. And uh, earlier this year, you raised uh, forty million dollars Series A. Yes, sir. um, And like. What were the biggest obstacles to, you know, get through this? Because I, yeah. uh, I assume they was not all like, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you
1: know, uh, a smooth ride. No, especially early on. I think, um, I think a lot of the obstacles, it's been nice after season one to come into the series A, we could point back to. Point back to season one and say that, but we want to pour gasoline on it. That's super easy for an investor to understand, a ca- capital allocator to say, oh, okay, I get that. What was tough was a seed round. We raised a you know, uh, $20 million seed round um, that uh, that was based on a PowerPoint presentation. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, this is what we plan to do based by three guys who have been had successful exits and were venture-backed companies but zero sports background. And then one guy that played in the league for like six years. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't exactly, um, you know, and again, we had a good track record as a founding team, but it was like still, okay, you guys are going to change sports. And so it was, a it required a lot because it, again, from concept drawings to like what showed up on the field, it's just a, I mean, it was, and it was remarkably close, but it required a lot. And I'm grateful Lightspeed Venture Partners led our series A. And because, uh, you know, um, Jeremy Liu over there really believed not only in the team but got the concept immediately, and so it was. It, it took a while to find that right fit, especially for a lead and kind of the the uh, you know the, the 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 seed investors. I think, and then the Series A was led by Animoca, uh, Animoca Brands, and Delphi Digital, um, and they immediately both groups. Yeah, from Animoca, immediately got the vision, understood it, could not have been more supportive. Um, those guys, yeah, they both just really get what we're doing. And so that was a I want to say, it it took us a while to get to the right partners. But once we found those people, it's been interesting, you know, in in raising capital over the years. This is unlike stuff that I've done before where, you know, within five minutes, like people either get it or they don't. And so we'll leave. And even if people express a lot of interest, you just never saw the light go on. We're like, there's no chance that we're working with those guys. Or, you know, again, they lean in three minutes in and like, holy shit, there's so much here. So, um, yeah, I think it was the, a lot of the, there's always obstacles, raising money's always hard. Um, but the it, it's been it's been a lot easier being able to point back to boy we have data and we had like a, a whole first season and like and people can visualize it a lot more. And how do you ensure to bring the level of quality
0: in terms of production yeah. to uh, you know uh, to where where it is today so you can compare it with like what the fans are actually used to, right? When it comes to streaming, yeah, when yeah. it comes to just, you know, the selection of the athletes because you want this to be fun, mm-hmm. you want, you know, uh, this to be a, a great game of yeah. skill. Yeah, yep. Uh, so, um, and you, you mentioned, like, you know, uh, not not having uh, a lot of deep experience <laughs> in this particular area. Yeah. So and what what I hear often from 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 people and from from founders that like you know when they are pitching something, there is always like you know the investors they will always find a hole in your plan. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. You are building a game and you don't <laughs> yeah. have like so you don't have like a, a gaming experience or mm-hmm. like a, yeah. There, there is, there is always like some something that you know they can find. But what I'm curious about, how did you like manage to bring uh,
1: such a high level of quality on all levels? Oh, uh, first of all, thank you. It's kind of you to say. Um, it's been a process we've been feeling out. You're a founder. You understand what that, what that looks like. I think we get, um, we partnered with some great people. So Crazy Lakes Productions is our production partner. And like everybody, we, we talked to several groups they not only got it immediately, but he wanted to write a check. He's like, can I participate in the round? Like, I, I believe in this. And you can't ask much more from a partner. Um, and they, don't, they didn't have a ton of live football experience. They were actually um, you know, kind of storytellers. But I think we had done a pr- pretty good job of having a really clear vision of what we wanted the production to look like and it being different than traditional sports broadcasts. Like, again, things like, okay, for example, um, I always say it, it's Madden in real life, right? Like that's my background. I like I wanted to feel like Madden. I it to be accessible to somebody who's played a lot of Madden. So to do that, I you know a little bit of homework. You know we need a drone and like a you know um, uh, kind of a, a sky cam, kind of um, spider cam, sorry, to follow the play, and that's going to be the hero cam. And so like again, we dictated a lot of this. Like I didn't want it to feel like a traditional broadcast, but and. In, in, and so you know we, I think we're we're pretty good about talking about like how did how do we want it to look and feel. So it's not a one to one. I don't want this to be NFL NFL looking, but I want it to be like you know high quality. So um, yeah, we had like we did cra- crazy things. Like I think we told we talked about the AR uh, um, overlay on the field, so you know where the play is going. A lot of it was shot by drone. Um, which uh, if you think about it, we're the only sports league on the planet that knows where the play should develop. Right? So the drone ostensibly can cheat a little bit and be right on top of where a play should go. It's broken all the time, but you know, we were able to get some really cool be right in the middle of tackles and right on top of things in a way that I think is really unique to our broadcast. So again, I think it's about finding the right partners um, and finding a group of guys that can get smart on things quickly. You know? well,
0: it seems like you tackled <laughs> it from the right <laughs> angle. Thank you, sir. Um, like how, how, uh, like and I understand that like not not every situation is like you know the most straightforward. And like, yeah. how do you as like one of the co-founders of uh, Fan Controlled Football? How do you cope with with stress uh, that uh, can come at times? It's a really good question.
1: Um, I'm I mean, we exchanged texts earlier today about and you said I just want to eat healthy and I don't want any carbs. Like I'm neurotic. Uh, Exerciser. I do. I've got a gym in the garage, and I do something in the morning and something in the evening to, to help me de-stress a little bit. Um, and then I think um, I think getting enough exercise, having the right founding partners, and being there to pick each other up when the when the times are tough, and to be able to celebrate when times are good, uh, really helps me balance me be balanced out. Um, and then I think, especially for us is keeping some perspective. It has been a long road. Um, and we're just getting started. I'm missing stuff still in our infancy. But like I I own a football league with like Joe Montana, Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman, Quavo. Like it is I'm living a dream. And so even when it's it's long you know what I mean? It's like it is like re- my two favorite things in the world are live sports and video games and I'm kind of doing both and so I think it's a matter for me especially in this venture which is different than others is, is keeping some perspective like it doesn't get better than this and in fact I think I'm wrecked I think once we exit this thing hopefully we continue to be successful and we exit this thing I don't know what I do next because like I, I don't I have no idea if like I'm, I'm building something with my really good friends doing something I love so the, that constant reminder of like hey uh, that this is a wild thing. What
0: can get better think, yeah. than like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, building something uh, very successful with your friends? Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I and mean, you're in the enjoying it.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, so, yeah, we it's, saw on that really quickly. It's all about having fun. Yeah. Uh yeah. So, uh what's coming up next? What are the plans? It's interesting uh that, what I can say what's next for fan control of football. Interestingly enough is not football. Uh the Holdco's fan control sports and entertainment, and so football was always the first stop in our journey. It lends itself, from a cadence perspective, well to fans controlling it and calling plays. Um, but actually, what's next is basketball. So we're playing basketball this fall. It is if if football was Madden in real life, this is NBA Jam in real life. So I mean, one of the single greatest games of of all time. Um, and so obviously, we grew up big fans of NBA Jam, and so we finally found a way that we feel that will be fun for fans to to control the action on the on the court. You can't call plays necessarily in basketball. It's a fluid thing, but we've got some really interesting mechanics where fans will be really helping control the action on the on the court. Um, it's short court. It's gonna be three and three, maybe four and four. We're still testing various scenarios. And the whole thing, the whole court is a giant LED. It's a screen and with uh, LED backboards. And so the crazy graphical shit that we can do, that fans can control, that like that on the court and on the backboards, I think it's going to be unlike anything anybody's ever seen. So that's up next. And then we're exploring baseball. i uh, got a whole baseball exploratory team uh, going on now. And so it's next is getting to a point where there's some fan-controlled sport in season at any given point, right? Like it's football, basketball, baseball, potentially cricket, and then we just rotate through, right? Like again, always have something for fans to be engaged with, and building out all of the shoulder content around the league, so there's various places for for folks to go find information about these leagues. And uh, is the majority of the infrastructure that you have
0: ready so you can repurpose it, or are you like, uh, do you
1: have to build a lot of custom solutions for like, a new sport, like basketball. It's never as much as I want to repurpose. I always think it's going to be able to be more. Um, but yeah, I think every sport is gonna be a little nuanced. but again, our back end is really pretty modular. So we were talking a little bit earlier we're we're rebuilding a lot of what we did for football but in Unity, which is going to give us an increased flexibility for kind of all sports going forward, uh, managing stats and player telemetry and all this cool shit um, in Unity. But yeah, a good percentage of it, we can, all of the, the voting and uh, the leaderboards and, and all of the broadcast tech that we've built is able to be repurposed, so thank God.
0: And how long does it take to actually uh, put uh, teams together and uh, make sure that, you know, you get uh, all the players That's, and like... We're going to find it's, out. It's it's, it's, it's it's a huge undertaking. Can we're gonna find that?
1: out. I'm in Vegas in two weeks. We're going to the summer league. Uh, what I can tell you is we've got some, uh, we've got a bunch of folks who are interested in or are in the process of buying the basketball teams right now. So FCH, Fan Control Hoops. So FCH, we're already selling teams. Um, oh. And we've got our, um, we've got a. I don't know if I'm publicly able to say it. A very senior, one of the foremost best uh, talent scouts in the world is leading our talent. Uh, search like I'm like I said I'm in Vegas in two weeks and like that community basketball is a very tight knit so you talk to three or four you know former NBA guys or current NBA guys who buy into the league you can get to almost anybody um, and so that's coming together quickly it's a lot easier from a sheer numbers perspective than football because you know on, on a basketball team we need uh, eight nine guys so versus the you know several the hundreds of guys that we need for for football so I think um, Again, I don't know necessarily. I just know we're playing in the fall. <laughs> Making this up as we go along and You got you uh, got a goal. Yeah, uh, we'll so to.
0: that's 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 awesome. And like uh, yeah, that that like the whole whole thing of like uh, going into basketball that uh, that to me is like very inspiring and like, I, I love how you are like hustling hard uh, <laughs> to, to to get there. Yeah. Do you ultimately see a huge overlap in terms of uh, fans of football and basketball, or do you feel like it's it's tackling a
1: different uh, uh, demographic? It's a really good question. Um, we saw in, in football, we we had a couple of cohorts. Obviously, we saw hardcore football fans. We saw a large number of people come to the sport that identified as not liking sports previously right that they were hardcore gamers yeah. and that you know i mean sports can be pretty intimidating like i i've got a bunch of friends who just game and don't like sports and i've got a bunch of friends who are really into sports and don't game and those worlds almost never overlap and i think it's because they're they're not accessible like if you wanted to be a lakers fan right now there's a ton of shit that you kind of have to know and like years of legacy and all this stuff it's not really accessible and i think we provided a really good on ramp to like a lot of these gamers so i think in that regard there will be some overlap, but if basketball is such an international sport, right? Like our conversations with international distribution partners, so many more people outside of the States are very interested in carrying our basketball league. And so I think if anything, this is going to skew a lot more international, uh, which is exciting to me, right? Because I think a lion's share of our, our audience came from the States when it, when it came to football, and there's just such like, unlimited potential with basketball if we get this right. What is it like to own a team on your league? To own a team? I, I mean like owning a sports team is like Beachfront Property, man. Like there's even you know, we're not the NFL, but there's only so many professional football teams in the world. And so it's an easy pitch to go to go Marshawn Lynch and be like, you interested in owning a football team? And he's like, where do I sign? You know what I mean? It's cool. It's uh I've had more crazy experiences in the past 5 years than I have, have had any right to. It's just uh just by nature of the, the these these guys and gals that are involved in this. So, um it's wild. It's a very very fun experience. Is there is there a, a notable moment in your career that you
0: would like to share, you know, as a takeaway with uh people listening to the podcast that they could that they could learn from that maybe you would look uh Uh, now and say, okay, I I should have probably done that differently. Uh, Is
1: there- Should have done differently? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Not where I thought you were going with that. Should have done differently. Yeah, I mean, I think we spoke early about um, diligence and, and partnerships. I mean, as a founder, you know, like, I mean, that is everything. Those par- those those partnerships, and I think when we jumped into this uh, arena league without any real diligence of understanding the model or anything, again a little bit blinded by the fact that we were going to own a football team in Las Vegas with a rock star, that just sounded cool to a bunch of 20 year olds. That sounded awesome, and did very little diligence, and then on the league itself or the rest of the ownership group, and I think. Um, if I were to do that again, um, if things look too good to be true, they probably are um, in a lot of senses. Um, but I think the, you know, the other thing I could say, and I know you didn't ask for two, would be- You can give three. No, I, I, just, um, I, I would say that the learning experience, especially with this process, has been um, stay in the game. Find some ways. I, I think, you know, um, we, we, we've been all over the map, and we went through, you know, You know, we got incredibly lean early pandemic, uh, and it looked like uh, funding options were off the table. And um, you know, there's a moment when we had, um, you know, immediately early, you know, March 2020, when some groups passed and said that their um, their responsibility was to buoy portfolio companies. um, The was was tough, Um, but I think stay in it, stay in it. Again, if you believe in it, don't 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 stop. Just don't quit. That's That's right. You have to power through. I feel. I feel that's the case. Patrick, yes, I had. A, I had a blast uh, awesome, talking man. about yeah, all of that. Thank I, you for I coming def- out Like
0: here. I, I uh, joined the board ape uh, club today. Okay I, I bought, okay. I bought the NFT. Yes, so, sir. Uh, Amazing. I, I I can't wait to to get more uh, yeah. I- experience with uh, you know. Uh, controlling yeah, uh, totally. the, the, the team and, like, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, maybe one day to also see it in real life. Yes, sir. Um, and oh, that's
1: uh, yeah. happening. I'm it dragging you was- to a basketball <laughs> game. Right? There's no chance you're not coming out to it was, Atlanta. it. was
0: uh, my pleasure and thank you so much for hopping on the show. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll have to have you on ours as well sometime soon. So thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. That's it for now, till next time on The Next Level Show.